This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. My favorite co-host, I can only say that because Adam's halfway around the world and I have no idea where Matt is, so I can say that with confidence and not get fired. On the show today, we have a very exciting guest coming on. We have Adam Mitchell, who's with Low Tide Properties there, and they have an exciting new project, Lab 29, which a lot of people may not know that within the industrial space, you kind of have like sub-asset classes, for lack of better words. People think industrial, they think warehouses. There's a lot of type of very specific built projects, whether it be for data storage or cold storage or self-storage, or even in this, in the life and sciences category. This is dedicated lab space, which Adam talks all about and how it's so uh, so needed currently in Vancouver. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting thing for, for the city. That's for sure. Yeah, it talks about expanding. But speaking about exciting things, before we hit record, you were telling me all about your travels in the snow the other day, <laughs> which may or may not resulted with you face planning. I have managed to slip and fall two days in a row with yeah. this ice. Yeah, I was I was walking in the office yesterday. I'm about a kilometer away. And, and here I go, phew, just flat on my butt. And then this morning, same thing. I'm like, I don't. I don't know if it's this is me or no, is, it, no. is it my Uggs? No, it's it's, every, it's everyone in the city. <laughs> trust me, like the threat, even the threat of snowfall, all of us will start crashing into each other. I was hearing that people had 11 hour commutes the other day. I was, the day of the big snowfall, I was working in our new Westminster office. So I live in Coquitlam so I could quickly get home. But we had some stories of staff that left and it took them five to six hours to get home from downtown. I had a friend that left downtown at 3 p.m., got home at 1 a.m., so that, they that, drive straight home or did they pivot off there and go for dinner and drinks? That sounds like a good night though. <laughs> yeah. I hope she had some snacks. I'm not really sure. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's get to our episode today with Adam Mitchell, Vice President of Asset Management and Development for Low Tide Properties. Enjoy guys. All right. Let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. All right, so we're here today with Adam Mitchell, Vice President of Asset Management and Development for Low Tide Properties. Adam, how are you doing today? Pretty good, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Adam, can you sort of tell our listeners more about yourself and then also more about Low Tide Properties? Sure. Yeah. Uh, about myself, I've been in the real estate industry for over 15 years now, so it's adding up quite quickly on me. Um, originally graduated from UBC, 
started in the mortgage underwriting business with a commercial lender here in Vancouver and then transitioned from there into the asset management and development world with um, what was at the time Bentall Kennedy, now Bentall Greenoak, so a large institutional uh, manager, um, both nationally and internationally. And then from there, I actually got the opportunity to move to Low Tide uh, just over four years ago. Because at the time, Low Tide's portfolio was really expanding rapidly and, and they were going from owning, um, you know, really small one-off buildings in places like Strathcona, Gastown, Mount Pleasant, um, to a much bigger strategy, um, both in terms of building size, the number of properties, but also expanding into the Seattle market as well. So it was really a an evolution of the portfolio and um that necessitated kind of putting together an asset management platform. So I came from, from Bentall um, to, to low tide to really set up uh, the asset management function here um, and, and help the portfolio kind of evolve from that um, smaller kind of scattered uh, stage to a much more purpose strategy um, and, and scale as well. And can you maybe speak to a little bit more about Low Tide's portfolio? Obviously, it's a Vancouver-based company, but for our listeners that maybe not aren't familiar with Low Tide, can you maybe sort of just maybe give us some some assets that, that you guys currently have within the portfolio there that people would recognize? Yeah, so um, Low Tide, really, I think our, our most recognizable assets will be over on Great Northern Way. Um, so we have uh, 565 Great Northern Way, which is a seven-story office building right beside Emily Carr's new campus there. Um, and, and the most recognizable part of that building is obviously the uh, red tulip building that uh, is pretty noticeable as you, you drive by on Great Northern Way, and that's um, home to Nemesis. Beyond that, I mean, we, we've been able to consolidate a lot of property in, in the Strathcona neighborhood, um, as well as Gastown, uh, Mount Pleasant, and Kitsilano. And uh, we're, we're kind of hyper-focused on, on neighborhoods. As, as part of our strategy. So we really go all in on specific neighborhoods that we like. And that applies both to our Vancouver portfolio and our Seattle portfolio. So as I mentioned a few years ago, we expanded into the Seattle market, city of Seattle, specifically uh, downtown Capitol Hill, Queen Anne neighborhood, uh, but also into Bellevue and Kirkland as well. And again, it's really trying to pick specific neighborhoods where, where we feel we have I'm not going to say a competitive advantage, but like where we really can get a good understanding of the neighborhood, um, get our feet on the ground and, and really start to make change in, in a meaningful way in those neighborhoods. So that's that's generally the, the high level strategy is to try and consolidate and focus on specific areas we like rather than try and, you know, uh, play in every asset class out there. So you won't find a chasing industrial product in the valley or things like that. It's just, uh, we like to keep a, a pretty tight focus on, on what we look at. So there's been a rumor within the industry for years, and we recently had uh, Brad Howard on as the development manager from PCI, which he talked about the property that Low Tide now has on Great Northern Way there. And we've actually even mm-hmm. encountered the sign company that actually helped out with that project. And they were mum on this question. Brad couldn't confirm it, but maybe you can from the Low Tide family there. Is the Nemesis Red the Lululemon Red? Because there was rumors that there had to be a whole bunch of paint color changes to make sure it was the exact shade of the Lululemon Red. Um, you know what? That is outside my 
uh, expertise, whether that was specifically mandated. Um, as I think about it sitting here, they are very similar. Yeah, there um, was that rumor, and, and the, Brad was mum on it. He wouldn't give us any insight either. So we, the, the mystery sounds like it's going to continue here. You know, we we did go through, I would say, about 14 different iterations of what that building would eventually look like. It did start off as kind of a a glass box, effectively similar to what a app, typical Apple store would look like. Um, the intent with that was, you know, people driving by on Great Northern Way or walking by on um, the Central Valley Greenway there could see right into that building, you know, see something interesting happening, whether it was back of house or the cafe or whatever. Um, but we, we kind of evolved that from that to what it is now. Um, I think that the general mandate on the color of that building was just make it bold, um, yeah. just make it really stand out. You can't miss it as you come. It's an outstanding finished product. Like it stands out and everyone talks about it in a very, very good way. Um, Adam, one reason why we wanted to have you on today is a lot of a lot of our listeners may or may not know you'd almost have to be living under a rock for the past five or seven years if you haven't realized the industrial asset class has been is exploded in this city. But in within the industrial asset class, there's a lot of sub asset classes in there. And one of the things too that that probably has been overlooked in Vancouver, but very much needed is something with regards to lab space, life and sciences. And you you guys at Low Tide have an amazing project coming up, Lab Twenty Nine. Um, that sort of sheds light on probably a much needed space that's going to sit around the St. Paul's Hospital. Can you maybe dive in and tell us all about this project and what it is and obviously the motivation behind it? Yes, yeah, sure. So yeah, Lab 29 uh, is a, a development project that we we have into the city right now. So we're anticipating getting our development permit in Q1 of 2023. And really, I think what's unique about this is, is we spent a lot of time to purpose we designed this building to function specifically for the life science industry. So there's a lot of kind of baseline infrastructure that goes into that. Um, and it really does influence your building design. So when we started the project, we, we really came at it from a, let's design this thing from the inside out, make it really functional for the end user first. And then we'll try and layer on all those nice to have after try and make the architecture pop a little bit more, um, certainly give the amenity package that tenants would expect from a, an A-class building, um, you know, end-of-trip facility, fitness, um, common area conferencing, um, grade, at-grade retail, service retail for, for people who are working there. So it was really thought about from the end user first. And the reason why we did that is we've operated a life science portfolio now for approximately eight years. Um, and through that process of, of owning and operating these buildings, we've developed a bit of an expertise, I would say, in managing these types of buildings. And it, it allows us to manage them first and foremost in a way that that end user has complete reliability on the building system. They know when they're coming into the building, everything's going to work properly, allows them to you know run their experiments, their testing, whatever it may be, with, with confidence that the building that they rely on is going to perform. Um, and part of getting to that point was really making sure that we had the personnel in place to do that. And, and I think it, it's kind of more of a, a general low tide thing with how we manage our properties, but we really value that partnership with the tenant. Um, once they come to our property, it's not just, you know, find a lease, write the check every month and, and don't talk to us. It's how can we create a really meaningful partnership 
and that extends down to the the operations team at the building level. So for life science, we've had uh, both our director of property management as well as our, our senior building operator have actually um, gone and, and taken special certificate courses on specifically on running lab buildings. Um, so again, really trying to drive home that that service level to the tenant. So through that process, we've we've created um, a pretty good partnership with the life science community here in here in Vancouver. And one of the things that we kept seeing was because of the lack of lab space at scale in the city of Vancouver, a lot of these companies, as they reached a certain size, would get acquired by a larger U.S. company and, and effectively consolidated down to the U.S., whether it was Seattle or Boston or any of their other major health hubs. And so that company and, and all those jobs were leaving the city. Um, and again, one of the big drivers of that was just simply lack of available space to move into once they got to a certain size. Like the, the typical evolution of one of these companies is to kind of incubate or form out at UBC. Um, once they outgrow the space available at UBC, they're then out, out into the market to try and find space in either Richmond, Burnaby, or or Vancouver if they can. And Vancouver is always really the the preferred destination because that's where the employee talent wants to be. So it, for us, it, it was just kind of seeing this story play over and over again. And we're like, you know what? Like, we think we have a compelling offering from a, a platform standpoint to be able to to manage these buildings. Um, let's go actually uh, go out and add to this ecosystem and, and really dedicate a specific project to this ecosystem. And that's how Lab 29 was was kind of born. And it's you know, I think a, a, certainly a happy coincidence that the the property itself, located on uh, Scotia Street, is you know two blocks away from the new St. Paul's um, project. That's absolutely going to be a game changer for life sciences and any of the healthcare um, sector in in Vancouver. So we felt that it was a, a really great opportunity to uh, both provide that life science space room to grow in the city, but also um, leverage off of St. Paul's project. So, Adam, what types of tenants would you provide space to here for Lab 29? Yeah, so it's generally, it'll be, you know, a, a typical life science tenant going into this building will run about 70% of their space as lab and 30% as um, kind of ancillary office for the business. Um, and within that lab space, it's typically, you know, a lot of bench work, um, early stage development work. Um, so by the nature of that, it, it tends to lean towards like a lot of therapeutic companies will use that type of space. It's not going to be like, you know, level three lab or, or higher space um, where you're, you're getting into some really serious testing and, and clinical trials. Um, this is really front end research type space. So Adam, you mentioned there that, that low tide has been in this space before. Can you maybe talk to some other properties that you guys have that are sort of in this is this lab space? Yeah, sure. So so right beside it, um, there's a property at 1618 Station Street, which is home to stem cell. Um, and, and stem cell has certainly been one of the pillars of, of the local life science scene for some time. They, they have property or, or campuses here in Vancouver and Burnaby. Another property over on Great Northern Way is, is 887 Great Northern Way. That probably about about 70% of the users in their lab. There's a little bit of office space in there too. Um, so that, that's home to companies like um, Notch Therapeutics, uh, Chinook, 
uh, names like that. And then we ha- we have another uh, lab building over on the Burrard Slopes at 1770 West 7th. Um, and we do have um, a company called Abdera and Abcelera in that building. Um, so again, a couple of well-known uh, life science names there. So this will, I think, all in total, that's about close to 300,000 square feet of lab space. And then this new project will be 230,000 square feet. So a significant um, addition to our portfolio, but also to the city of Vancouver's uh, available life science space. So clearly that's getting to almost doubling the current portfolio you have within this space. Why, why now? Why is the time now to sort of almost you know, expand at that rapid pace with this new project there? Is there something out there in the environment or within our economy that this is the right time you feel to expand into that market or expand that portfolio in this current market? Yeah, on a macro standpoint, I think we believe that the life science industry is really kind of coming out of a, a period of, of generally pretty stable operations and, and is really going to expand um, going forward. I think there's been a lot of different things kind of coming together to really help these companies expand. Um, and some of them are, are completely unrelated to what they actually do. Like just a quick example, like the ability for some of these companies to now run through an, an AI system what would have taken a month to test in the lab and to be able to iterate it in that AI environment, um, it takes days now. So the speed at which they're able to do research and get product to market is just increasing. And I also think there's kind of broadly much more focus on health and wellness and longevity um, as some of these technologies start to break through and, and become more accessible by people. Um, there, there's much more, I think, a broader focus on, on something like that. So that's, that's kind of the macro level why we like it. I just see some really big headwinds overall. Um, and then just on a more kind of market specific level, it's been, you know, these buildings are not cheap to build. There's a lot of infrastructure that goes into it, whether it's heavier floor loads, higher ceiling heights, bigger freight elevators, backup generators, all this stuff is really expensive. And um, as you know, being in the Vancouver market, you know, land is not cheap. Um, building things, even if it's a standard product, is not cheap. Um, so it's hard as a developer to really, or has been very difficult, to make these projects pencil out from a pro forma standpoint. If you're faced with, well, should I just build a, another typical office building or should I do a life science building? Typically, that office building is going to win out most times um, when you're looking at the, the pro forma. But that dynamic has changed over the past few years. Um, again, as they're, they're the demand from these companies and the number of companies in the market continues to grow and space has effectively been flatlined. Now the rental rates for, for lab space um, are making it much more attractive. Um, and so if you're, again, I think you, you still have to be pretty committed to the space from an operational standpoint because they're, they're not easy buildings to manage either. But if, if you have that, the pro forma now is, is starting to make a bit more sense. Hence why you're seeing um, a few more proposals for these type of buildings. You talked about the the talent pool that a lot of these companies draw from. Is Vancouver becoming much more on the radar for a lot of these companies with the talent pool that we have here? Maybe similar to like say what the tech industry has noticed over the past 10 years that we've become much more of a tech hub. Is there the same thing happening now in that lab space where these companies are now making Vancouver a priority for space? Absolutely. That, that's one of the, the key pieces for them is the access to the talent, I think, 
generally on a on a student for student basis, what we hear anyway from from these companies is that the the talent or the ability of that student coming right out of a post secondary institution is is much better um, when compared to to the U.S. Certainly, uh, immigration in Canada also plays a part in that um, and, and expanding the talent pool. And also, there's, there's kind of a financial aspect to it too. I think it's generally it's a rounded number, but it's approximately 30% cheaper to employ someone in Canada versus the U.S. at a, at a similar level. So it's also very attractive from that standpoint for these companies to come into the market and grow. And, and that's been, again, the very similar story in, in the tech sector as well. That's why you you see these companies like, you know, the Amazons or, or Meta's or, or Microsoft of the world coming up to Vancouver. It's access to talent, but also it's, it's talent that they can get at a, a comparative bargain to um, places like San Francisco or Seattle. You mentioned there how the, the performers are maybe working more in your favor a little bit more as demand sort of ramped up for this type of type of, of lab space now in the city of Vancouver. If this project's successful for low tide, do you foresee you do you foresee yourselves expanding the portfolio even further in this space? We do. Yeah, we're we're certainly committed to the life science space. Again, I think for you know those those larger larger macro trends that I talked about, um, and and that we've been able to build up this expertise in house on managing these types of products. So it is it's a little bit of a departure from our typical, you know, focus on the neighborhood. But at the same time, it's it's going from focusing on a neighborhood to focusing on a specific sector or industry type. But at the same time, it is kind of nestled in um, that great Northern Way area that, that we have a concentration of properties in. So um, it does check a couple boxes for us. So you mentioned there about neighborhoods, Vancouver, you know, Low Tide primarily has been a Vancouver-based company with the exception of your expansion down in Seattle there. What neighborhoods in the Vancouver market or maybe even outside of the Vancouver market in the Lower Mainland is Low Tide, you know, excited about? Yeah, so, you know, within our existing portfolio, um, you can really boil it down to um, Gastown, um, Strathcona, Great Northern Way or for the False Creek Flats, if you want to talk about the broader area, um, Mount Pleasant and Kitsilano. So those are our five Vancouver uh, neighborhoods and, and what those all have in common is they are all adjacent to the, the core. So you won't find us in the downtown core of, of uh, Vancouver. I think for a couple of reasons. One, it's, you know, that seems to be the preferred um, playground of, of institutional capital that's investing in real estate. And so it's a much different um, called management style and, and investment outcome style than, than what we're seeking. I mean, we we are a very long-term thinker when it comes to our real estate. Um, so we're, we look at things from a 40, 50-year perspective. And so a lot of these areas that are adjacent to the core will have that long-term growth story just by by the nature of where they are. And, and you know, the city can't expand any further west because you hit Stanley Park and obviously the ocean. Uh, so it's got to go east. Um, so part of what we do when, when selecting these neighborhoods is to, again, um, really look at those macro trends and let those dictate where we invest and then get much more specific once we're, we've decided, okay, yes, just the city's moving east from a growth perspective, certainly from a, a population migration perspective, it's, it's moving east. So, okay, that that points us in the direction of some of these areas. But then 
what do we specifically like in areas like Strathcona or the Falls Creek Flats? That's kind of the, the level two analysis that we get into. Um, and, and it's the same situation in Seattle. It, it's really trying to understand where that growth is going, what's driving it, and then, then how can we carve out a bit of a, a market for ourselves there and create a, um, an advantage. Do you see low tide properties expanding outside of the greater Vancouver area into maybe markets like Burnaby and that as, you I mean, COVID's put an onus on livability for a lot of people. And you know, we've seen things in the Fraser Valley market take a dramatic uptick over the past couple of years. Do you ever see yourself, you know, getting into markets like that outside of greater Vancouver? Uh, not right now. No, we, we've been very disciplined about saying city of Vancouver only. Um, so we may look at other neighborhoods within the city of Vancouver, but for now we, we've, been able to maintain uh, that discipline because it is, it is hard. You see opportunities out there. And yeah, places like Burnaby or Surrey or whatnot, and, and they're fantastic markets and, and things that uh, make a lot of sense. But I think for us, it, it's just trying not to spread ourselves too thin from an expertise standpoint. Kind of goes back to that point about trying to be a, a value partner to our tenants um, and really understanding their businesses, how the property can can help them um, and how our operations team can help them. And I think we feel if we get spread too thin or or looking at too many different things, we'll lose that. So for now, yeah, no, no immediate plans to expand outside of city of Vancouver. Obviously right now, the whole world's been going, what it feels like to say unprecedented times year over year over year for the past couple of years. What what do you guys, what's your thoughts on, I mean, where this market kind of goes, obviously there's high interest rates and high inflation that's still, yeah, filters throughout what do you what do you guys sort of anticipate or what do you guys think will sort of play itself out over the next 12 or 24 months in the greater vancouver market yeah i think we're headed into just like a classic recession um in which we actually haven't had in in some time like if you look go back to like early 2000s um dot-com bubble 2008 financial crisis last couple years with a pandemic None of these are like classic recessionary times. They're all kind of started by a a black swan type event. And then everyone has to deal for for two to three years. This to me feels just like a really ground shift in monetary policy. And you're seeing that obviously with interest rate rise, interest rates rising um, to obviously combat inflation. It's just, you know, I think our house view is that where now the, the norm is shifting. I don't think we view things as like, oh, this is going to be a temporary year of higher rates and then everything's going to ratchet back down to our, our normal, which would have been like 2% interest rates. Like, I think what people need to maybe start thinking about is, well, maybe that low interest rate environment wasn't normal and, and we're actually going back to a normal environment, which is 5 to 6% um, interest rates. And so then it's okay. So adjusting Obviously, you have to adjust return expectations for real estate because of that, um, but also uh, adjusting the growth lens too and, and saying, okay, like this, there's not just a whole bunch of free capital out there that is going to float all boats, regardless of what industry you're in, whether you're in life science or whether you're in food service, you're going to have to be a good operator and you're going to have to run a sharp business. And I think that's kind of a, an actual return to normal as opposed to kind of the last at least 10 or so years of, of really just kind of abundant capital and, and, you know, businesses that maybe weren't being run correctly still were able to make it just because everything was so good. So I think it's, again, more of a return to normal than a, than a departure from, or a brief departure from where we were at. 
you guys mentioned there how you have a very broad uh, outlook 40, 50 years down the road at low tide there. Do you have any exciting projects in the pipeline that you can share with us that maybe is on the, the, the forefront coming up here in the next 12 or 24 months besides Lab 29? Yeah, so I think the, the next biggest thing for us will be our uh, what we refer to right now as our South Flats portfolio. And that's just because it sits in the southern part of the False Creek Flats. And that's really the area along um, Great Northern Way. So starting from the, um, the existing VCC Clark Skytrain station down to the west to where the M- new Emily Car Station is currently being built. Uh, we own and, and have been able to consolidate a number of properties around those stations. And so what we're doing right now is a lot of early stage design work and work with the city to to really, I think, leverage some of the good stuff that came out of the Broadway plan and, and think about creating a complete community down there. And what that means is obviously adding residential to the area, adding uh, retail amenities to the area, uh, as well as uh, a lot of job space which would be a mix of, of office and industrial um, into that area. So really um, intensifying the use of around those SkyTrain stations. So that, that's one where we are partnered with PCI uh, on, on those, all those projects. They're certainly probably the best um, transit-oriented developer in the lower mainland. So yeah, we're, we're I will say, early stages, but with uh, a couple of key milestones behind us, like the Broadway plan being approved last year, it does kind of set us on a, a path forward to, to actually getting something um, built in, in that area. Um, so we're, we're quite excited about that. You know, our, our high level vision for that area is really to create a world-class innovation district. And that's because it, it has some of those ingredients already, like Emily Carr or, or Center for Digital Media or the VCC campus expansion. Um, you know, you've, you've got those educational uses that are right on the doorstep. So, um, we, we feel like it, it's got all the right ingredients to be a, a really vibrant neighborhood. Um, but again, these are early days where that for us is kind of a, you know, if we're under construction in five years from now, I think we'd be pretty happy with that. But it's kind of a 10, 15 year build out when it's all said and done. Well, Adam, we, we know you're a busy guy and we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us today. But before we let you go here, we have uh, our six pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests so we get to know you a little bit better outside of the office. Do you have just a few more minutes for us? Yeah, sure. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right, Melissa's going to lead us off here with your first one. All right, what is your favorite bar or restaurant? Uh, I'm going to go Shambar. Oh, I just, good one. It's been so yeah. good for so long. Um, it's just, the fricassee. Yeah, consistent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Shambar. Wow. Good one. Good one. You unfortunately find yourself on death row here. You're given one last meal before it's all done. What's your last meal? Um, I got to say, it's going to be Pacific salmon. I spent a lot of time in the summer fishing as, as a hobby. Um, just love being on the water and, and love uh, what the water can provide us here in, in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, it's definitely going to be salmon. That's a good one. I'll, I'll second that one. That's awesome. How are you going to prepare the salmon? You barbecue it? You know what? I've over the last few 
months, maybe even a year, I transitioned. I'm a big air fryer now. So I knew I you were going to say that. Air fryer I had a unit. feeling. Everyone's an air fryer now. Yeah. It's the best it, thing they ever it created. It's fantastic. Especially if salmon feels wrong, not going on the barbecue with it, but it's so good when you put it in the air fryer. It's, it's hard to beat. I once did a steak in the air fryer thinking this is not going to work out. And it was keg quality when it was done. I even <laughs> impressed myself. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite band or genre of music singer song oh i get i get scared for this all the time but um it's the killers and oh. i know it's very it's not exciting music but for some reason i just i don't know i like especially their older stuff i just i like some of the really like some of the old killer stuff well it's so. okay don't feel bad i um, listen to nickelback so it's not like i'm <laughs> not like i'm gaining any ground here. i'm about to make fun of both of you i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not deserved, but I guess it's just the honest answer. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, what are you currently binge watching on Netflix or Amazon Prime right now? Uh, right now, it's uh, second season of White Lotus. Um, you and I Matt really, Scalina. He tells me every day yeah. to watch that show. I really enjoy a good dark comedy. Um, so, mm. like White Lotus or Succession, stuff like that. It definitely uh, makes his way to the top of the Netflix list. Nice. Okay. Question number five. What's your favorite vacation spot? I'm going to say Spain and specifically San Sebastian. Uh, we've been there now uh, three times. Um, my wife and I, a few, and then as a family, another time. So yeah, definitely San Sebastian, Spain. You know, you can get pockets of decent weather there, but it's not scorching hot. Um, and the, the food is absolutely amazing. So it's Friday night. Had a couple beers. You're feeling good about yourself. Someone takes a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing? Mm. I'm going to go with something from the Chili Peppers just because you can kind of get away with screaming it and mask how bad of a singer you actually are. So you can kind of just go with, with what Anthony Kiedis does on his range and, and kind of go all over the place. And uh, you'll generally be able to pull it off uh, without exposing yourself too badly. That could be the best karaoke strategy we've had so far on this show. I was really scared you were going to say Mr. Brightside. I was about to run no, out of here. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of energy to bring to karaoke. <laughs> so, Adam, we, we appreciate you taking all the time today. How can our listeners find out more about what you guys are doing over at Low Tide Properties and specifically Lab 29? Yeah, so, um, you know what? We've actually recently redone our website. And so what we've done there is is really start to tell a lot of the stories, both of our our properties and of our tenants, so lowtideproperties.com. And then certainly Lab29 itself has its own uh, website, and we've retained CBRE to help us market the project. So we've got Blair Quinn and the High Technology Facilities Group working on that. Um, and so they've got uh, a lot of good material out there um, to educate people on the project and, and what we're trying to accomplish. So certainly those, those are two great reference points, very, very current. And then... Um, you know, we also try and, and run a, a fairly proactive Instagram account um, and, again, highlight some of those great tenant stories in our portfolio. So that's another good place for people to check out. Well, Adam, we, we appreciate taking time out of your busy day to let us know all about more what you guys are working on there at Low Tide and Lab 29. Thank you so much once again. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, no, thanks that was exciting. Me. Great, Adam. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, there you have it, folks. Our interview today with Adam Mitchell, Vice President 
of asset management development, low tide properties. I'm in this space, like I'm in this business and I learned lots about like the, the life science space. Great conversation. Very unique. And it's, it's interesting. He talks too about how, I mean, like they're almost doubling their portfolio in the, in the Vancouver market space because it's needed. Right. Absolutely. And they're on the front lines. They already have this space. They talk about the challenge with the performers on it, but now the numbers are slowly making sense. I mean, I, you know, I took a, I had a lot of good takeaways. Great things happening in Vancouver, that's for sure. I do want to say, too, his strategy in the karaoke side there with the chili peppers, that could be one of the best strategies there is. A little bit of screamo. Just, everyone's just screams, and then you're never, you're never judged on your voice. And everyone knows the chili pepper song, so they're probably going to start singing with you. So no one goes there, and then he talks about the, the killers, which, which you had a, a story you wanted, you were, were talking about there about the killers. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't love the killers. I know sometimes this this show ends up being like a music rating show or something, but I just don't like the killers. I'm sorry. I don't love Nickelback. Um, this could be the last time you're ever on this show. <laughs> so really nice being here. And, and Is there any, any reason why you don't like the killers? Everyone loves Mr. Brightside. Oh, I just, it just kind of like hurts my soul. I don't know. It's just, it just feels like so uncool. And maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe the I think problem, I'm cooler than I am. The problem is you're just too young. That's the problem. Maybe. You're just too young. You, so you, years, don't, you don't get it. Years ago, I worked at the Commodore, and, okay. and they came in for a party. They were they, they, were, they as in the killers. The killers. The killers yeah. came in for a party at the Commodore. Yeah, which for most of the staff, they were so excited. They thought this was like, whoa, this is the coolest show ever. I was like, oh, God, can I go home now? No, the day off. Can I have the day off? This is not, no, cringe. You didn't care for it, eh? Didn't no, care not, for you, it. You didn't even sing along to Mr. Brightside. No. 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 Okay. Does Nickelback ever come to the Commodore? What's the guy's name? The Kruger uh, guy. Chad. Let's couple of them. Chad. He, 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 he's, yeah. I've served him before there, believe it or not. I have served him at multiple I'm establishments. In, I'm, in, I'm in the wrong industry. You are. You should be working at the Commodore. That's going to be my next gig. Yeah. I'm going to be serving tables at the Commodore, just, just crossing my fingers that Nickelback comes in one day. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Um, speaking of of great things like Nickelback, markets. How what are you guys seeing? I know I know you're on the residential side here. We yeah. obviously keep a very tight pulse on what's going on that side of things. Anything, you know, I mean, we're heading into the holidays here. Traditionally things tend to slow down. Yeah. I've heard things are kind of getting a little bit busier. What are you guys seeing on your side? Are you guys is the phone ringing? The phone isn't ringing rapidly. That's no. for sure. It's um, quality over quantity right now. Yeah, I mean, good properties are still selling that are, you know, stuff that's priced well. Things are selling. There's still business happening. That's for sure. It's a slow time. First, because of interest rates. And second, because of the time of year. Yeah. So. It'll get better. You know. Get better. People are getting used to the interest rates now. And Adam, Adam talked about on the thing here, too, that maybe we're going back to what, what normal interest rates will look like. The new norm, as they say. Yeah, the new norm on there. Yeah. So, Corey, how can people get a hold of you at William Wright Commercial? So, if people want to reach out to us, they can call us anytime at our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for. We'll put you in touch with the best agent in the province. Look for what your asset class. You can reach me by email anytime, Corey at WilliamWright.ca. Always love hearing from uh, from listeners about the show, good or bad. And you can visit our website, WilliamWright.ca, for the latest and greatest news. Uh, sign up anytime. And if you want to drop me a line, anything residential, you can email me at melissa at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Great, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Subscribe today.